Hey everyone, this is Hector and Luxa here from Fool's Guide to the Occult. We wanted to record a little something as a follow-up to our previous full-length episode on Ego Magic. We wanted to toss out a few ideas about how we might use this type of magic to affect change both internally and externally, as well as to offer some additional resources that you might find useful. All right, there's a saying in politics. Uh, actually, this is something that Rahm Emanuel has said time and again. Never let a crisis go to waste. All right, so this can be taken a lot of different ways. Uh, it could be taken as, uh, let's use this crisis to finally have an excuse to do the thing we were planning to do anyway, but we can now do because our actions will be masked by the chaos. So I think that there's probably a lot of that happening in the world right now. Uh, but there's also another way that you could take that. It could also mean, gosh, look at how fucked up things are. We need to take strategic action to rebuild in a more positive, productive, and self-actualizing manner. So hopefully it's already painfully obvious to you that this is what needs to happen. Uh, if you're somebody who loves freedom, and I'm guessing that you are since you're interested in the occult and stuff, uh, keep the famous words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. in mind, please. None of us is free until all of us are free. It sure seems like we're all being called on as a collective to take a hard look at ourselves and our system. And that's definitely a really good idea. Uh, you've probably heard of the concept of the collective unconscious. I know I've mentioned it on this show before. I'm sure Luxa has as well. Uh, it's the idea from uh, Jungian psychology about how we're all sort of uh, drawn from the same pool of precognitive concepts, things like archetypes. Uh, you may have heard of the shadow um another concept from from Jungian uh, psychology. We've definitely talked about like shadow self before, I think. Yeah, definitely. So this is all the stuff that we're afraid to admit about ourselves to ourselves, our animal instincts, our repressed urges and ideas, our failings and weaknesses, our fears and lusts, our biases, everything which we repress or hide from ourselves. Uh, we all have the shadow self. Like, as a whole, we have the collective shadow. And friends, it's a motherfucker. Yeah, for sure. I've definitely, you know, this brings back, it's not in our script here, but um, there's this lecture by Terrence McKenna called Culture is Not Your Friend. And he talks about, like, how we're all made up of, and he says a bunch of positive things, but also he goes into, like, you know, our fears, our illusions, our delusions, our, um, our biases, all these negative things that you know we don't really like to admit to each other um for ourselves so yeah I, you know anyway tangential um so i think we need to dig in our heels uh for the long run we're pushing against hundreds of years of slavery racism and repression um and oppression if you know you're a member of a privileged class uh you know like we are it might be hard to even spot how fucked up things are um, often for people who aren't white. Uh, the game has been rigged to keep things the way they are, to maintain the status quo. If we want to change things, 
we first need to understand where we are and how we got here. How do we start to recognize this stuff? By opening our ears, our eyes, fully hearing the voices of people who understand all the horrible, horrible, horrible stuff firsthand because they've dealt with it their entire lives. They've lived with it their entire lives. It's part of their family history. Um, we're going to come back to that in just a second with um, a few recommendations. Yeah. Okay. So to address the collective shadow, we need to face our own first. Um, this is not easy, and we will instinctively do mental gymnastics in order to avoid or deny uncomfortable truth to ourselves. Uh, but in order to change, we need to understand our own subconscious biases. Even though you might not think so, you still have them. All humans do. Uh, this fact must be addressed in order to begin to start the reprogramming and reconditioning process. Uh, I recommend checking out Project Implicit, which is a thing that Harvard made where you can like play these games that reveal like your different biases, uh, even your subconscious ones. You know, it's interesting. Check it out. Uh, so it, it, all this might be a little bit of an uncomfortable look into the shadow self for a lot of us, but we all need to know where we are before we decide where we're going. And an uncomfortable look into the proverbial black mirror is a very, very small price to pay for just being a little bit less shitty as individuals and as a society. So. Absolutely. It's, um, this is a good time to take a close look at, at one's own privilege as well. Privilege comes from uh, not only, you know, your skin color, but your education, your socioeconomic status, um, your biological sex, um, as well as many other factors. Maybe in addition to privilege, you could look at your talents too. Ask yourself something like, how might I use my privilege and talents, whatever all those might be, to affect change? Where is the intersection of talent and privilege where you might best advocate for change? If you want to help people, just ask what you can do. Um, show up ready to listen and learn. Take some time to educate yourself about the lives of people who are different from you. Uh, we've listened to some resources which we think are very valuable to this end. I've already mentioned, I'm sorry, Luxa already mentioned uh, Project Implicit. You should really check that out. Um, I just took that little test game thing before we recorded here and it was quite interesting um it only took me i think maybe 15 to 20 minutes yeah they're quick. super quick definitely yeah um there's a google doc called justice in june which is uh, a collection of resources to educate yourself in order to become a better ally and we'll post the link for that in the description for this episode and i before we move on i want to point out something that that luxa ended up pointing out to me I immediately looked at the beginning and it has like three tiers. It's like, uh, if you can only commit 10 minutes a day, do this. If you can only commit like 25 minutes a day, do this. If you can commit 45 minutes a day, do this. And I immediately went to the 45 minutes a day thing because I'm in summer now and I don't have school or whatever. So I felt like, yeah, I should put that time in. Yeah, why the fuck not? Yeah, exactly. But um, there's actually totally different stuff on the other tier levels. So like if you have the time, check out all of it. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, there's like a lot of stuff there. I mean, and obviously, 
you might not agree with all of it, but at least look at all of it and think about it. I mean, shit, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and they provide like a variety of resources. Like there's documentaries, there's TED Talks, there's uh, podcasts, there's uh, written work, um, books, all kinds of like if there's a different way you absorb information, they've got it there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's something on there that I would highly recommend. It's a podcast, which I mean, I love podcasts, obviously. (laughs) Um, It's called Small Doses with Amanda Seals. And it's kind of, I think overall, it's sort of a podcast about critical thinking. And it's really fucking good. I would highly recommend it. It's also really funny. And she makes a lot of really good points about like communication and relationships, like all kinds of shit. So I would definitely check that out. Yeah, I really liked, um, I've watched all the the documentaries now on the 45 minute list, except for The King in the Wilderness, which I plan on watching tonight. But the first one I watched, 13th documentary, uh, is both on YouTube and Netflix. That was really, really interesting. It's about like the prison industrial complex and like post-slavery, slavery, slavery, like um, debtor's prison and like forced labor in prison and all that kind of stuff and the war on drugs. And it very, very, very interesting. Um, Yeah, dude. Okay. So speaking of that, like, all right. So here's a few things that like we thought we'd toss out there. There's something called the Equal Justice Initiative, which... Their deal is that they're trying to like work to end mass incarceration and excessive punishment in the U.S. And they're kind of challenging racial and economic injustice and protecting basic human rights for the most vulnerable people in American society. That's from their website. Uh, so, yeah, you can check that out. We'll uh, put that in the episode description. You can take a look at it. Yeah, totally. So there's Campaign Zero, which is a Dated, uh, data-driven approach to policy with the aim of ending police violence. Um, they're actually studying the data to find out exactly what policies we need to have in order to prevent police brutality. I, I think it's a really kind of sane and easy to implement approach to uh, de-escalating violence long-term. Uh, so you can go check out that data. Their policy recommendations have a few positive impacts in, in places where they've been enacted um there's also defund is that defund.org yeah well again we can post all this in the the app description yeah yeah and it's it's in that 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 document that we were talking about but anyway that one's about um you know basically demilitarizing the police force by eliminating some of their excessive funding and uh things like that I think that's um, definitely part of Campaign Zero, but I think they're like there's there's a few other points in there too. So yeah, to everybody, you should just probably just read as much stuff as you can and make up your own mind, obviously. So yeah, yeah totally. All right, the other thing is like knowledge is power, right? Education is such a important thing, at least in my opinion. And uh, so UNCF providing scholarships and support to minority students in historically black universities, as well as advocating for minority education and community engagement. So it's uh, something else you might check out if you are interested. So, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And so all those resources, as we mentioned, we'll, you know, we'll put in the, the description for this episode if you're you're feeling fired up already you know to yeah, get out there. i mean like fuck you turn off the podcast right now and go do that but like, yeah <laughs> why are you listening to us talk like yeah but i mean done. maybe you're already doing all that stuff we don't know man. maybe you are maybe you're marching maybe you're driving on the way to protest we don't know what your life is right now so yeah. no if you are fucking rocket 
<laughs> um, or whatever yeah. you're doing. Rock that, you know. Totally. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, do whatever you can. Yeah, even if you feel like, um, you know, you can do very little. Take what action you can take. You know, think about the fractals. Think about the butterfly effect. Every message, uh, you know, every massive change in a system becomes really small and every message or action can have an effect as as gandhi said be the change you want to see in the world and if you want to hear us talk about chaos magic and other stuff stick around this is an occult show we're not going to talk (laughs) politics and social reform and then leave you hanging that's right we will not do that to you all right so what else is about affecting change Hmm. Uh, Magic? Magic is about affecting change. Absolutely. Um, So historically, uh, what we think about when we consider like Western occultism is kind of reserved for like pretty much only like men of the ruling class who actually had the time and like resources to like hang out and study all this stuff as opposed to say like working all day just to survive. All right. So even though this is like less true today, the understanding that you can use magic to affect change is still a privilege. Like that knowledge is the privilege, right? That understanding. So let's consider using it maybe for good uh, or for justice or whatever you want to call it. Balance. Absolutely. Uh, Hector and I are both pretty into chaos magic. So we're going to speak from that perspective, but obviously use whatever you have up your sleeves in terms of like your own practice and preferences. Don't forget to use divination to explore possible courses of action and their outcomes. I mean, use everything you can. So this is an excellent time to put your like magical competency to the test. Totally. And of course, share with us what you're doing on our Facebook community page or Instagram or by email or however you want to do that because you know, we're always interested in what you guys are up to. Please do. So we're going to do a little mini dive into a few of the colors of magic from Peter J. Carroll's system in Libra Chaos. Um, the red and the orange magic specifically. Red magic, according to Carroll, is war magic. And he has a few good points about war, which he's um, talking about both metaphorically and literally. Um, as in like literally fighting and then also the aspects of war that are more psychological. Anyway, he says wars are fought to improve our bargaining position in war. The enemy group is a resource that we wish to gain some measure of control over. Wars are fought to intimidate adversaries, not to exterminate them. Genocide is not war. And as I'm reading this, this really applies to like union activism too. I'm sorry. I'm I mean like I'm in over my head with the union right now. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Well, I would love to hear more about that for sure. Carol talks about red magic having two aspects. Uh, the first is invoking the energies you need to sustain your morale and vigor, and to present like an intimidating front. He suggests work with war deities like Mars or Ishtar. There's tons of them, though. Uh, you can work with the element of fire, which is he also recommends. Uh, the second aspect of red magic involves actual combat magic, which he has this to say about. It is usually practiced openly with the adversary being like publicly threatened and cursed or finding himself the recipient of an unpleasant looking talisman, spell or rune. The aim is intimidation and control of the adversary, 
who must therefore be made as paranoid as possible and informed of the origin of the attack. Otherwise, combat magic takes the same general form as used in entropy rites, with sigils and servitors carrying out auto-destructive information to the target, uh, though with sublethal intent. So he's making this distinction because, like, if you're dealing with dissolution and death and stuff, like, that's not red magic anymore. Mm. All right, so how about an example of, like, how would we use red magic? I feel like, okay, an easy one to come up with is, like, burning an effigy right like you could call that war magic or like maybe you could um sigilize protest signs yeah totally um i just like kind of like jotted some stuff down when we were we were coming up with this and one of the first things like this is kind of it's weird how like inspiration just kind of comes to you and i i don't know i'd never done this before or seen this done before but i think it might be interesting to make one of those like paper people chains that you kind of see like sometimes like kids make in school like they just like a a bunch of people like connected holding hands and their feet are connected kind of you, mm-hmm. you know what i'm talking about yeah anyway uh, you could draw sigils on each of those little people and then like hang it up somewhere in public like in a tree or a park or i don't know if you're not into installation art you can just kind of burn it in your backyard or something um it kind of works like a effigy that way right yeah definitely i think gosh like building on what you just said like it might be cool to make that more of like a public thing like where you invite people to come and like just even if they've never done anything like like it before just be like draw a picture of what you want and you know like i don't know i like this idea of like maybe people stumbling across something useful that they can use like sigils or whatever you know yeah, totally. There's definitely plenty of ways you could make that more collaborative. You know, I guess you could have, like, if you're part of, like, a witchy community or something like that, a cult community, you could have everyone make one and then, take, like, connect them all somehow or something like that. That would be interesting and, and do a ritual around that. Another idea I had, and this is kind of one of my favorite things as far as, like, dissolution magic or, like, binding magic um, kind of goes, is to carve an effigy out of um, a material that decomposes like a potato or an apple or something like that Um, you can dress it with oils or something if necessary you can also like carve symbols or sigils or spells right onto it and then do the requisite ritual work and then leave it outside to rot you know again if you want to make this public you can be sneaky do some weird installation art and put it in a park or something like that Carol also reminds us uh, to the end of his section there on on war magic that the real skill of red magic is to be able to present such an overwhelming glamour of personality or personal vitality, rather, um, moral and uh, potential for aggression that the exercise of combat magic is not at all required. Yeah, so I guess if, if you do it right, then... The other side will back down. Although I don't know if that's obviously always true, but that's his general recommendation. So, <laughs> right. I think maybe that might apply more in like within an occult circle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that I can scare politicians from my house. <laughs> maybe I can. I don't know. We never know, my friend. Well, anyway, <laughs> did I tell you, dude? I had this fucking horrible dream the other night. No, tell me about it. Dude, all right. So there's all these like weird forces that conspire to do like a bunch of like social media fuckery. And the result was that this like 
crazy like idiotic like reality tv star ended up like getting elected as president and then everything was like very very like messed up wait wait a minute oh dude i had that exact same dream (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) right okay so that brings me to a point which i think is super important to keep in mind um it has to do with how social media platforms are built and how they are designed to act on the user. All right, so platforms like Facebook are built to gather data about you that can be sold to people who would like to use the data to manipulate you in some way. Yeah, and so if that sounds conspiracy theory-ish to you, I'm really sad to tell you that it's not. It's just facts. It's facts. Every advertisement that you've ever heard or seen on TV or a billboard or on the radio and every advertising agency uses the same tactics of propaganda and psychological manipulation that totalitarian governments use. And um, even non quote unquote totalitarian governments as well. Um, If you don't believe me, research advertising psychology and then look up common propaganda techniques and logical fallacies. And once you're done with that, just for fun, go listen to George Carlin's skit, The Advertising Lullaby. Yeah, okay, definitely. Okay, so what do they want? Like, okay, maybe they want you to buy their product or donate to their cause or influence the way that you think about a certain thing or a certain group or a certain individual. In order to get more data about you, the apps are designed to keep you logged on as much as possible and engaged for as long as possible. So this is done by showing you stuff that the algorithm calculates that you will like. Uh, Things that you've shown an interest in, stuff that your friends like. Um, So this is all well and good until one starts like treating this like as a legitimate source of news and information. Because by design, you cannot, I repeat, you cannot get anything but a point of view that has been specifically tailored to your preference. So... In other words, you will only be told what you want to hear because this is exactly what the algorithm is designed to do. So therefore, just keep in mind, like when you open something like Facebook, you're actually not, you're looking at a mirror, not at a window. So how do we try to see through all this bullshit? Uh, How do we make sure that our actions actually have the intended consequences that serve our aims for justice and freedom? we could try using some orange magic or the orange gnosis as carol calls it yeah and before we go into that i just had like some thoughts um you were talking about using facebook or referring to facebook as a mirror and that made me remember um a page from ram Dass's be here now where it's just he's talking about the guru and um, how you only really like the guru is only a mirror, right? He mm-hmm. reflects back onto you yourself. Um, and if Facebook is that, then maybe it would be interesting, if not a worthwhile endeavor to take some time with your Facebook feed and write down the stuff that comes up. That's like not directly from, or even is directly from your friends. Just like make a, some lists of the type of information that you're, constantly seeing and then do some analysis of that that might be um some interesting ego magic to do yeah i think that would be a really worthwhile activity it's a really good idea 
Yeah, I might do that later tonight. <laughs> Orange magic. So um, this is thinking magic. Uh, it's about thinking on your feet and being mentally dexterous. Uh, this is part of the realm of the trickster and has associations with activities like what charlatry? Really? Is that even a word, Luxa? It is charlatanry. You're making, you're <laughs> being a charlatan. The act of being a charlatan. A huckster. Sure. Con artist. Indeed. Okay. <laughs> crazy words and gambling as well as uh deities like loki hermes um the coyote the trickster so you might be saying to yourself at this point wait a minute i like to do things straight up not in some weird underhanded way um and i don't need to use orange or thinking magic well i would answer that we actually need to understand the stuff in order to be able to know when someone else is using it, right? When they're using it on us. Absolutely. As a side note, I would also remind everybody about the shadow aspect of the magician archetype, which is pretty much all about baffling you with bullshit. Um, you might have heard the saying that you like you can't cheat a cheat or whatever, or you can't play a player, right? So a player is way too familiar with the games as well as the game designs to be taken in by them. Uh, here's a fun exercise. Imagine that you are a very, very rich and very greedy and very powerful person. All right, basically, You're basically a supervillain. Imagine that. <laughs> uh, what would you do to manipulate circumstances in your favor? If you had influence over like thousands of people's lives and absolutely nothing but self-interest to guide you, what would you do? So whatever you came up with, if it's a feasible plan, chances are there's somebody out there trying it. I mean, that's just a numbers thing. <laughs> All right. So it's, it's important to understand this stuff. So how, how do we get into the orange gnosis or use orange magic? Um, well, Carol has some recommendations for us, um, as he always does. Orange magic is the ability of the... The wit self or one's own inner trickster to enter a state of mental override in which um, fast responses to information arise. Carol notes that this ability is paradoxical enough um, created by not thinking about thinking, but rather by allowing anxiety to partially paralyze the inhibitory process uh, processes themselves so that the subconscious can throw out quick-witted responses without deliberation. Invocations of the orange power are best delivered at frantic speed, and gnosis can be deepened by the performance of mentally demanding tasks such as adding up large lists of numbers in your head or uh, ripping open envelopes containing difficult questions and answering them instantly. Activities which uh, should be persisted with until breaking through to the experience of thinking without deliberation is achieved. Uh, this kind of like makes me think of like some methods of um, divination like uh, like automatic writing and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it also sort of reminds me of like the kind of like flow state that you can get into if you're like engaged in debate, like, you know, like debate as in like politics. All right. So if we want to understand people like politicians, 
And as a side note, Cicero did say that politicians are not born, they're excreted. Anyway, mm -hmm. if you want to understand them and other people like CEOs and other people in power, like people that give the marching orders that trickle down and like manifest into all of the bullshit, uh, we need to be able to think like they think. Try out some orange magic and let us know if you come up with any techniques that you would like to pass on. Uh, consider reading some political philosophy written from a standpoint which opposes yours. Would be one place I might start. Yeah, I would say uh, straight up read The Prince by Machiavelli. That one's real short. You can read it in a few hours or a day. Also, The 48 Laws of Power by John Green. And if you don't want to pour through that dense long book, there's a cheat sheet in a Google Doc somewhere. If you just like Google 48 Laws of Power cheat sheet, you'll find it. Kind of speaking about, uh, you know, seeing what's going on behind the scenes, like check out what type of rhetoric people are hearing from sources that you don't usually consult. Um, okay, you might not get a very clear picture at all of what's actually going on in the world in terms of like news for watching certain channels. But if you're able to read between the lines and parse out the rhetoric, you can gain valuable insight into underlying positions and strategies at play. Uh, the way that language is used, the exact phrases which are said, like all of this stuff is incredibly intentionally and usually, you know, done through a concerted effort across networks and platforms. So as a cultist, we have the ability to look past the mundane and into the secret workings behind things, you know, to parse out complex language and symbolism. We can find obscure connections and discover like hidden truths. So why not apply this to every aspect of our lives? Okay, I'm not talking about buying into conspiracies or getting caught you know, going down irrational or unproductive avenues of thought. Obviously, your actions should always be guided by reason and critical thinking. Uh, but in addition to like exposing yourself to a variety of different like rhetoric, uh, the classics are also classic for a reason. Uh, like Hector said, check out Machiavelli if you want. Read 1984 by George Orwell. But maybe read the other stuff that we talked about first. I don't know. <laughs> Do whatever you want. But my main point is that we need to understand something in order to fight against it. Yeah, totally. And while we're talking about Orwell, like Animal Farm too. Definitely. Animal Farm so good. <laughs> it is very good. Very good. Um, so, okay, the last thing I would like to say is sort of like about communication. One reason that occultists and others use things like symbols and sigils is that it's a workaround for the fact that language is imperfect. Every single signal has noise. What you're hearing me say might be very different than what I'm trying to say. Yeah, this is important to keep in mind when dealing with the people around you, um, both physically or online. Um, if someone is, is saying something that sounds shitty or bonkers or wrong, uh, ask for clarification um, from them before you totally flip out. You might just like be misunderstanding what they're saying. I mean, shoot, Luxa and I have miscommunications all the time, and we just like, oh, all the fucking time. What the hell? I, oh, you didn't mean that at all. Um, <laughs> but you know, it happens. It could be a simple misunderstanding, and in that case, um, you know, taking a second to ask for for those clarifications uh, can can save you a lot of time. 
energy, heartache in the long run. Communication is a skill for sure. Um, be patient with those who who aren't as well versed in it as you may be and um, or might have a different communication style than you do. And if you get the opportunity, take an interpersonal communications class because uh, that can help. Yeah, definitely. Good idea. Um, so it's also something that is, you know, perpetually kind of difficult and it might not ever truly be mastered. So, you know, take the time to like really talk to the people around you, listen to them, um, tell them what you've learned. The more open and honest conversations that we can have about all these issues, the faster that they can be addressed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so one last, last thing. Um, if somebody asks you to teach them about magic or something, like consider helping them, maybe. The more like empowered individuals there are out there working for change, the better. Yeah, I, d I definitely agree. Um, I, I'm sorry, I just got lost in thought, but like I remember sitting in um, a class in middle school that I should have been paying attention in, um, <laughs> filling out an entire like composition notebook with like basically copying my my book of shadows into another book and like giving it to a friend um, in school to, to learn from. So yeah, I mean, you don't have to hand pen your homies uh, an instructional manual, but you know, if someone wants your help, um, help them. Yeah, I mean, do it. All right. So I wrote this for somebody in particular, but it's an invitation that I would actually like to extend to all of you. We're all in this together. Okay. Let us wage a culted war on the enemies of freedom, the life eaters who would turn our blood into gold. Let us work in the subtle way of water, carving canyons through stone. That was wonderful. And I'll, as always, everyone, please take care of yourselves. Um, stay safe. Yes, please do. Please do. Yeah. Um, and help everyone else around you stay safe, too. Another good thing you can do at this time, um, if you're not going to do any sort of uh, dissolution or binding or any of that kind of magic, you can always do the reverse and do protection magic as well. Definitely. And, of course, learn everything you can. But until next time, see ya. Cheers. Bye. Cheers.